Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Hamilton City Council has reached a compromise that will see it set up a new anti-racism center with a community panel to guide it. City Council also has decided to call off the probe into who leaked the confidential reports on Sewergate. And Ontario teachers unions are announcing coordinated action in their fight against the province. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. It was an interesting meeting at Hamilton City Hall yesterday. A number of different items that we've been talking about on this program over the last couple of days uh, were dealt with. Some of them modified, by the way, uh, because there was some concern. And, and one of the main ones, of course, had to do with the Anti-Racism Resource Center. Uh, there was a motion that was put forth at a committee meeting that simply said, look, at, you know, it's our money, so we're going to organize this whole thing, uh, much to the chagrin of an awful lot of the people that were looking uh, for some help from the city on this particular issue. So they reached what they call a compromise on this. Uh, it's it's actually kind of a different setup altogether, and one that we had talked about uh, just a couple of days ago here on the program. So uh, to get a read on this, we're going to uh, cover this from a couple of different angles. I want to bring Kojo Dempty into the conversation. He's the manager of programs with the Hamilton Center for Civic Inclusion, and it was very much involved in this conversation. Uh, Kojo, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you back on the program today. Yeah, thank you. And and uh, oh, my my title changed. I'm the interim executive director. <laughs> ah, there you go. Okay, new yes. business. You need new business cards, then, Kojo. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Todd, give me your read on what you saw with council yesterday. Are you happy with what they finally came up with here? Um, I I, I think there are, there are two things. First thing is I think uh, they did they did uh, uh, an okay job in terms of changing um, the prior recommendations so i think we should give them credit for that mm-hmm. uh however um the i think the new recommendations are in reverse order right so i think that uh the community members that were there were hoping that a uh, temporary community advisory uh, uh panel would be uh established and then they would have the say in terms of moving forward but in the current recommendations that are giving, uh, 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 the city is saying that they are going to hire a consultant, and then the consultant is going to uh, work with uh, a community advisory group. And I still think that's uh, that's not what the community wanted. And also, um, you know, our city likes spending money on consultants, <laughs> don't they? Though, and, and this is not this is not. Um, this is not a, a, a capital project that needs, you know, engineers and project manage, managers. This is this is a this is a, a an issue that needs people that have lived experience with racism. So I don't think there are many consultants uh, 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 firms that have done this before. However, there are people in the community that are willing and able to serve on that temporary. Uh, advisory group right now. So why why are we going to be wasting time drafting up uh, a matrix of uh, of uh, of items to find a consultant that will be able to do this work? Well, that's one of the things that I found is, is kind of a head scratcher. I, I I don't understand why they even think they hate to hire somebody to do this. I mean, this is this is not as if this is a brand new enterprise. It's not as if uh, the 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 prototype the, the that was in place before that was not effective. It was. The statistics are there to show that it was. Uh, you guys already know what you're doing. So so why do you have to bring somebody else in? It's going to cost a lot of money. First of all, consultants don't come cheap, right? Uh, and and what what are they going to do that you couldn't do by yourselves? 
Exactly, and and that's what uh, that's what uh, was was uh, mind-boggling to us. And again, uh, the community residents that came that were there yesterday, they were also saying the same thing. Like we have to value people's time, right? People that came there yesterday, some of them took their work day off. Some of them were working there. Like they are the ones that are doing the work. So let's invest in them, resource them. Give them the necessary uh, uh, resources that they need so that they can start with this work and do it in a way that serves um, uh, uh, the community. But if we're going to pause it, now hire a consultant, get the consultant to meet with many groups again, which has already been done, right? Like, it's, it's, it's just a waste of time and waste of resources. And when we, last week, when we had the meeting, when residents were saying, "Look, let the, let the city let the city run it," many councillors were asking, "Where's accountability? We don't want you to waste the money." But now we are going to hire a consultant who is also going to charge you money, who probably doesn't know uh, the ins and outs of this community and what the issues are in the community. Well, that's the whole thing with consultants. I mean, we've seen this hack before, haven't we, Kojo? Uh, whoever they hire uh, is, first of all, going to have to get the lay of the land, as you, know, as you say, to kind of acquaint themselves with what needs to happen and talk to people. Uh, and this this is an organization that that has already been established in one way or another. This is really just trying to enhance, like I guess, the work that's been done already. I, I don't really know why they want to do this. It's it's like uh, let's hurry up and wait, uh, and let's do some more consulting. I mean, this this is an unnecessary step and probably very costly when we need look down on it exactly and and that's that's that that was one of the points that's very concerning for us right you you know uh uh, uh the city contributes a hundred thousand to to the hamilton anti-racism resource center hcci contributed thirty thousand in kind and mcmaster also contributed seventy thousand so the 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 money is the money that's being used for this program is already uh, meager in terms of the issues in the city, but yet now we are willing to spend money on a consultant. Again, who probably doesn't know Hamilton, has to start meeting with people, and, and people don't want that. They just want to get off the ground running and start addressing these, these issues in Hamilton because they keep getting worse and worse every day. Last Saturday, yellow vestas at, at City Hall assaulting residents, right? So we, people are already doing this work and understand the issues that are happening in this city. We should resource them. We should support them. We should validate them. We should acknowledge the work that they are doing and not uh, always think that consultants know uh, uh, everything. Coach, are they aware, meaning council, are they aware of the work that's already been done here? And, you know, that when the, the prototype, when the, the pilot project was set up here, I mean, in the first 10 months, the center heard from 75 clients, 17 anti-racism seminars were given and consultations. Uh, and, and there's a need there, but the need was already being addressed by, as you say, the people that were doing this already. It's, it's, it's not as if we're, this is a brand new idea. This is not inventing the wheel. This is really just enhancing a program that was already in place. Yes, and and I think you know um, uh, uh, the councillors. There, you know, there are different. There are many many councillors might not know the ins and outs. And I mean, I'll give credit to Councillor uh, Brad Clark because he's taken it on. He's he's he sat on the the committee against racism uh, group, but he 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 clearly is not 
understanding how things work on the ground. And also, he hasn't reached out to the people that are literally doing the work every day. So I would say sometimes some of the input he has and some of the things he does is very limited. And it's it's very concerning to some of the people that have been doing anti-racism work in Hamilton for a while. Um, Councillor Wilson and Councillor Narendra uh, Nan raised some important points. But as, as you know, sometimes at City Council, when things are done, uh, it's hard to, to, to get into a conversation. And when people put motions forward and it's been seconded, um, you know, that train has already left the station. One of the most important elements of this, and, and I'm just gleaming this from the conversations I've had with you and Emil Joseph and other members that are involved in this project, uh, is is the, 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 the big shortfall, is, is I saw, the reason they wanted to kind of pause this for a minute, was lack of resources. In other words, you could use more help, you could use more staff, you could. Be, there's a lot more that can be done here, and there's a, a greater need here. Uh, and I'm not so sure if they, this reorganization that they've talked about is going to address that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not. I mean, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you one example. Sure. Like since the since the center was paused at the Hamilton Center for Civic Inclusion, because the 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 the, the hack was in our office, people are still coming into our office right now asking for support. So if they want, if they are now saying that they are going to put everything online, what are people going to do when they need? Uh, uh, in-person discussion and in-person support, right? So again, if they had spoken to us or if they had come to our office so that we could give them a briefing of what has happened since the center was paused, we would let them know that people are actually wanting to come in and have in-person discussions of some of the issues that they are facing, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's at school, whether it's in public uh, uh, spaces, Right. But they haven't had that discussion with us, and they are moving forward with this online and phone uh, uh, intake. Why are, are they even suggesting that? I mean, is, the, is, is this based on some evidence that they have that, that maybe you and I don't know about? Because, I mean, the most impersonal way to do this is exactly the way they're proposing to do this, with, you know, a phone and, and as you say, online. If I've got a problem and if I'm feeling distressed and I feel as if I need some assistance, uh, I don't want to go to some web page where I'm going to get you know frequently asked questions and maybe some answers that might or might not apply to what I'm doing. I want to talk to somebody. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, they haven't had those discussions with us. I mean, I know that some of the online stuff came from the from the survey that they had out during the during the during the summer months. But again, even in that survey. Uh, the the data is not aggregated. You had 42% of respondents that were racialized, and the other uh, 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 the the other were non-racialized. So then you have non-racialized uh, 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 respondents pining in on what the center should look like when they are not the ones that are going to use the center, right? So these are things that uh, uh, we haven't discussed with them. They feel that they uh, they have the numbers, and that's why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, but the, as you say, the the makeup of this, the composition of this this committee, and and the people that are going to be working in this situation uh, have to be people that can relate. There's got to be some empathy there. Uh, you know, it it just doesn't seem to make any sense. I, it just seems as if they're adding unnecessary steps here. 
Yes, they are. And uh, like I, I have tried my best to reach out to them, have conversations with them, uh, but uh, they they haven't uh, uh, taken up that uh, that request. And so when we are talking about collaboration and partnerships and working together, I feel that they haven't done uh, their due diligence in terms of uh, trying to uh, work together to address this problem. Because not one institution or one organization can fix this. And that's why the, the, at the start of this, it was a three-partner uh, uh, agreement. McMaster, uh, the city of Hamilton, and the Hamilton Center for Civic Inclusion. But now, um, it seems like uh, those partnerships and those uh, working together, that doesn't seem to be an important, uh, uh, an important item when moving forward. Well, they say here there's, uh, there's going to be a community panel uh, that's going to help determine what qualities the consultant needs. Uh, so that, that's a, there's another extra step. I, I, I mean, you guys have already been there. I mean, this is this is like going around the bases the second time. You've already covered all this stuff. Uh, we need to hit the ground running here. Now, this is already, you know, this is dealt by council. This is a motion that just went through yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you feel as if there's any opportunity, there's any wiggle room here for you to have some input into this and say, wait a second here, let's talk about this? Um, I think uh, lots of we, lots of community members came yesterday. We're probably going to have a debrief meeting and see uh, what uh, what can be done. That way, um, we we don't continue to waste extra time. So we'll do that, and uh, we'll keep the community apprised of what has happened. And whoever uh, wants to put their name forward and be part of the part of the the group moving forward, we'll try and we'll try and facilitate some of that discussion and and some of that uh, communication. It just seems as if this is really being dragged out. Uh, you know, they've added extra steps here, and and as you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, the, uh, the need is now. It's it's not six months from now or eight months from now. It's now. Exactly, exactly, and uh, yeah, you know. Uh, I, I can sense your frustration. Your frustration is uh, a million times worse within the the communities that are affected by racism. So um, it's it's very disheartening and disappointing, you know. Uh, but uh, I mean, 500 years of of racism uh, it doesn't just go away in a snap, right? So we'll we'll continue to huddle up. We'll continue to work together, and we'll continue to. Uh, uh, bring forward the issues that uh, need to be brought forward so that we can bring the center up and running and uh, and 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 kind of address these issues of racism in Hamilton. Yeah, well, Kojo, keep doing what you're doing uh, because obviously the community needs this right now. And, uh, you know, what they passed yesterday was better than what they were proposing, but it's still not where it should be. And, and here's hoping that they'll uh, see through that and, and be able to do it, recommend some of the things that you and I have talked about over the last little while. Appreciate your time today, Kojo. Thank you very much. We'll talk again soon. Kojo Dampty, of course. And uh, we'll go forward on this over the next couple of days and weeks as uh, City Council deals with this. And uh, they go through this process of finding consultant and deciding who it's going to be and what they're going to look like and yada, 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 instead of just do it. That's the old Nike phrase, right? Just do it. Instead of, uh, well, I don't know. Just Some people in a lockdown office just love to find something and make it as complex as they possibly can when it's not really necessary. I think they've done that here.
You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let's talk whistleblowers. Let's talk about uh, sewage gate as it has been tabbed. Uh, and the fallout, which continues, of course. Hamilton City Council has decided they are not going to uh, try to investigate uh, who leaked the story about the uh, the billions of liters of uh, sewage that was uh, dumped in, of course, to Shadow Creek and uh, ultimately into Coots Paradise over the next little while. Joining us to talk about this is uh, former Hamilton Mayor Larry Deany, who has uh, had his share of uh, closed-door sessions uh, and, and confidential sessions in his years and years in politics. Uh, Larry, good to talk with you again. Thanks for being on the show today. Bill, and let me just point out that these closed-door sections, uh, sessions were all sanctioned all by legal council activities. Every all, single one. Every one of them. Every minute of those meetings uh, that were held in camera. Uh, uh, and that's your story, and you're sticking to it. And I'm sticking to that. <laughs> uh, let, let's, let's talk about whistleblowers. And, and uh, some people, I, I, I want to conflate these two things, because they're saying, well, it was a leak, it was illegal. I mean, there were a couple of councillors that went on record as saying that they wanted to have police investigate this thing. Uh, your thoughts on that, first of all, I'll get into my stuff in just a couple of seconds. What's your read on that? Sure. Well, so it was an emotional reaction uh, that, um, you know, people felt that they were betrayed because they all took a vote uh, to uh, to keep things uh, discreet um, based on, on legal advice. And then when things were leaked out, they just, uh, I think, reacted to that rather than thinking it through. Uh, because if they had thought it through, uh, Bill, and you and I were both on council, um, I was surprised not that the thing leaked, but that it took a year for the reports to leak. Um, you know, I would have expected something like that to, to have uh, come out publicly uh, in short order uh, after the decision was made to keep things quiet for all the legal reasons that they cited. Uh, and that's why, uh, if there's any criticism that I give to council, and, and I do, it's, it's that they were naive in thinking that things would not get out, and therefore they were caught flat-footed in, in not having a communications plan uh, to account for that. Uh, and, um, and uh, uh, you know, that would have saved them all this grief, I think, if they had done that. Yeah, and this is uh, the conversation I had with Mayor Eisenberger about this, and uh, it was just a couple of days, I guess, after the story finally did come to the fore, uh, it's it's not that the leak happened. I mean, that's that's bad. I mean, that's terrible what happened. Uh, but stuff like that can happen from time to time. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, is the council was not being forthright and honest with the public about this. And uh, you talked about, you know, holding with uh, withholding the information. Uh, first of all, the, the previous council withheld this information with the uh, an election yeah. pending. That bothers me. And then most of them, of course, got retirement. Even the new councillors sat on this information for about 10 months. Uh, and yeah. that's, that's the egregious action here, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and, and so, I mean, that is a debatable point, though, uh, Bill. Uh, and I agree with you that the optics around this are not, are not good. I, I did speak to a councillor or a former councillor who was on the previous council, um, who is no longer on council, uh, just to get a sense of what they were told uh, and when, and indeed, and in the, to the best of uh, his recollection, um, the information came to them in uh, an in-camera setting, uh, verbally. Uh, they were told the magnitude and the duration of the leak, uh, and they were also given the legal advice that until the investigation was over, that uh, things uh, needed to be discreet. Uh, they did uh, apparently sanction and understand that uh, postings were going to be made uh, 
to, to, to warn people, certainly not the blaring information that we've received recently, but sufficient postings at least to uh, warn people in the vicinity that, that something was untoward. Uh, he said to me that uh, it was just, you know, a few months before the election, nobody even thought and connected the dots between the information received and the election that was coming. And the reason for that, why it makes sense to me, Bill, is that uh, this was not something that council, that the public could point to counselors and say you either omitted doing something or something you did caused this to happen. This was a malfunction. This was an accident. That council really was not at direct fault of either doing or not doing something that allowed it to occur. And so I think they could be insulated from direct blame for the leak. And I'm not talking about the reporting leak, but the sewage uh, yeah. seepage into Coots. And, and so that's why it makes sense to me that they were guided by legal advice and the stiff, very, I don't know if you've heard what the ultimate penalty might be uh, if, if indeed uh, the province levies that penalty depending on where their investigation lands. So, so that makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me um, is, is that they thought that they could keep this contained for however long the investigation occurred. And I think that they uh, would have been smarter, I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, that to sort of have a communications plan. What can we release? What reports can we make public uh, that would both satisfy discretion that the lawyers have advocated for, and yet some fair warning to the community about what's occurred? And that, that is where I would have taken it, rather than, I mean, I'd like to think I would have taken it, rather than simply saying, let's stay mum about this. The other telling thing, Bill, is that every single member of the previous council and the current council, at certain points, voted for discretion, voted to keep things mum. And then, of course, as things germinated over, over the course of, of a year, um, it was felt that, no, this needs to get out, and, and someone did exactly that. Well, and therein lies the problem. And, and, you know, the fact that they wanted to sit on this until the investigation was completed, uh, to what purpose? Uh, this is what I don't understand. Uh, if the province is going to find them, they're going to find them, whether they do it you know, then or a year from then after the investigation is done. I, I don't understand why they got advice uh, that they had to keep their mouth shut about this. I don't understand what the, the rationale was, that uh, there was going to be action in an investigation anyway, so why not just be forthright? And your point's well taken, Larry. Uh, this is not council's fault. Nobody went up there and kicked that door open and, met, and let the sewage right. come out. Uh, but the fact right. that they were not they're not honest about this and decided to sit on this, of course it's going to blow up. I mean, you and I have had this discussion in the past. You and I had this discussion when we were on council together. Uh, there are times yeah. when, the, 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 you know, the city hall and, and that council chamber leaks like a sieve sometimes. And we knew this was going to oh get out God. eventually. <laughs> yes, and that's that's why I say I'm shocked that it took a year. I mean, in my day, in your day, maybe it would have taken hours perhaps or, or days for, for somebody to hand this over to the press. Um, I, I, I did ask, and I don't know who the lawyer is, but I did ask about the lawyer. I asked a, a, a major environmental uh, entity in the in the city and, and really the country, but but does a lot of work uh, locally as well uh, about the lawyer, and uh, gave them sterling report in terms of knowing uh, what uh, you know, knowing the laws. In fact, I, I think the comment was made that they helped to write some of the laws. 
um, that that govern uh, this sort of thing. And so it was that legal advice that that uh, weighed most heavily uh, on the counselors. Now I haven't read the advice. I obviously wasn't there to listen to what they had to say. But my question again would have been: All right, how long is this investigation by the province likely to take? And and we know that this is going to get out. So what's our communications plan? We need to do the right thing in terms of protecting those who recreate there. You know the the canoeists and others who live in the area. And they need some protection to tell stakeholders like the city of Burlington that's concerned about this, like the RBG that has stewardship over some of this, uh, like the uh, BARC, maybe the Bay Area Restoration folks, uh, whose, whose reaction to this, by the way, is quite balanced, I find. Uh, but, but what's, and then the general public, most all, of all, what's our communications plan going forward? And that's what was missing. It was, it was okay, let's keep this under wraps, let's hope for the best, and, uh, and hope that nobody finds out. That is naive to the extreme. And I think one of the interviews that the mayor did uh, recently with one of the columnists, he pretty well said that. He said, I wish we had sort of talked through the communications plan and released what we could have released while trying to protect the legal side as well. Well, exactly. But, uh, which leads just leads us to the to the idea of the whistleblower themselves and 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 the reaction by some of the people on council. And I I understand you're, you, it was a knee jerk thing. I mean, they, they were upset. I'm probably embarrassed as much as anything else that the story yes. came out and it wasn't them that put the story out there. But yes. and and it's fine we're having this discussion about whistleblowers now because that played such a key role in what's going on with the impeachment hearings down in the states oh right now. Yes. Uh, yes. That that there's. If somebody sees something untoward or thinks that something happened here or is going to happen that, that is, is contrary to the public good, don't they have a responsibility to come forward, no matter what legal advice that you get in situations like this? Well, and in fact, many levels of government uh, have drafted legislation that protects whistleblowers when they do that, yeah. which I think is good legislation because the public, the public interest um, is is something that's very dear, and uh, and um, you know the perception of doing the right thing as well as the reality of actually doing the right thing uh, are important concepts as well. And this is where council is caught. I mean, they they had that knee jerk reaction about going after the whistleblower. They decided that um, you know that was not a good course of action, and I think that's smart. Uh, why waste uh, you know police resources, especially because at the end of the day. Once, even if you were to find out who the whistleblower was, like, so what's the penalty for that? I mean, you know, it just, it just a, as, as the mayor said, a fool's errand, and, and I'm glad that they walk that back. The important thing, though, uh, and this is, you know, and I've been sitting on the sidelines commenting. I mean, I wrote a little piece in the paper about it as well, trying to offer my two cents uh, for what they're worth, and for some people they are worth uh, a lot, and for some people they appreciated the comments as well. But, but the, the important thing here is not to find somebody to blame, either uh, the whistleblower or, or counsel, and, and to become apoplectic, because I think some people have really jumped the shark on this. They want heads to roll. They want people to resign. and so, that None of that is going to happen. I mean, maybe some heads will roll if the culpability in terms of the technical stuff is found. Uh, but, but in terms of politics, we're going to wait till the election to find out whether people are upset enough to make some changes, but but rather than focus on all this anger, let's focus on finding a solution. Um, how can we make sure that 
this does not happen again in terms of the technical safeguards that we should have in place around monitoring these things. And, and most importantly, what is the communications plan around crises, even crises that involve legal aspects? You know, this is not the only thing that the city has to deal with that has a, a legal um, nature to it. Um, and we've seen lots in the, in the, in the recent past uh, where people sue and, you know, discretion is the order of the day and yet news gets out. And so what's the communications plan around that? I think council needs some help there. I think that's a much more um, a positive result of all of this than all of this anger and upset. And I, I've heard it. I mean, even people who aren't angry, but if you prod them a little bit and you ask, you know, they shake their heads. They, they're very cynical about council uh, and counselors. Uh, and um, and uh, uh, that, isn't, that isn't, I don't think, a good use of our energy to try to find some solutions to these problems. What I'd like to see, uh, you're right, there is going to be an investigation about the technical aspects of this and what went wrong. And, and I, I, the one question I'd like to have answered is, is uh, they knew there was something going on. And they, I, you know, and the, the answer they always gave is, well, they, you know, we didn't know the gate because the computer said the gate was closed. Uh, put eyes on it. I mean, if you see there's something going on and people are complaining about the odor, uh, in Shadow Creek, maybe you should go up there and say, well, let's let's have a look. Let's start here and work our way back up. The, and nobody seemed to do that. But the other thing I'm looking for, and it's quite simple, uh, and anybody who's been in public life in any regard at all, I think can understand that. All I want to see here is a little contrition to, from the counselors to say, you know what, maybe we did blow it. Maybe we should have told you earlier. We're sorry. And I'm not hearing that from anybody. Well, they did apologize. I mean, they had to be prodded into that, I yeah. suppose. And some people are not happy with the apology. Um, uh, but, but nevertheless, they did do that. And I think if you were to ask them, and I've not spoken to every counselor on this. I've bumped into some, and obviously we've had a chat. Uh, but, I, you know, they regret that, that we're at this stage. And it's not just because of self-preservation around their positions. You know, we've got three years to go before the next election or thereabouts. Uh, and um, and I suspect other things will happen that we'll become upset about or happy with uh, that that this will this too will fade. But but you're right. The lingering issue is that will never fade is what if this happens again? And so that's what they need to that that's what they need to deal with. But I think counselors, um, without you know any of them wanting to fall on on the sword because um, it was a collective decision to to sort of keep things quiet. Uh, for for the reasons that I stated, I think they regret how this has unfolded. There's no question that they should regret that. Uh, they absolutely should. There are some gaps. Exactly, Larry. We're just about out of time on this one. Uh, we'll uh, certainly follow the uh, this process on this as uh, they go through over the next couple of weeks. Appreciate the time today. Okay, thanks, Bill. Former Hamilton Mayor Larry Diani. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Well, the uh, conflict between the uh, Ontario teachers and the uh, provincial government continues. Of course, yesterday there was another walkout. It did not affect the Hamilton Board of Education, but uh, they're selecting other communities uh, to, uh, I guess, rotating series of walkouts. They're going to do that. And that's the secondary school teachers. We mentioned that the elementary school teachers and the Catholic boards uh, and teachers are all without contracts. So this is a gathering storm that seems to be happening. But they've developed a new strategy that was announced uh, late yesterday. Uh, because the, the government's response to this has always been, well, we just passed a bill, a Bill 124, that says that, you know, all public service salary, salary increases, if they're going to get one, is only going to be 1%. So now what they're going to do is they're going to go to court and try to challenge that. They, they, they don't think that is, is legal. 
Uh, they think that's, well, I'll let them make the argument about it. Not unexpected, I guess, really, that this was going to end up in front of a judge at some point. Richard Brennan, retired journalist for the Toronto Star, who covered Queen's Park and Parliament Hill for many years, uh, joins us to talk about this. Uh, Badger, you've, you've seen these things in the past, and invariably uh, uh, you know there's going to be some litigious action here, which is, I guess, not unusual for the Ford government, is it? Well, it, it isn't. Uh, by the way, Merry Christmas, Bill. And you too. And, uh, no, I, I, I think that teachers haven't got a hope in hell. Uh, fighting this bill. I mean, it is a it is legitimately passed piece of legislation. You may not like it, but you may not like it. No, and, and I'm sure they don't for uh, for many reasons. But it's a it's law, and that's the way it is. I mean, it, it's it, it's unpalatable for the teachers to the teachers, I should say. But I understand that. But it, it is law. But what I find interesting, you know, that's kind of an aside, you know, they're, they're taking them to court and all that, you know, okay, well, leave that to the courts. But it's the fact that the teachers are going back to uh, resuming talks next week, I believe it is. And, and that's interesting, because I, I, you know, it says, it says that the mediator has asked the teachers return to the uh, bargaining table. I don't think the, I, the Mediator might have asked them, but I think that was really urged by the government because the teachers, for a change, I, I believe are on the side of angels here for, for a few reasons. Given you know, it's an unpopular government and the, the changes that they, they brought in immediately in, with a to the you know to the school system and that was to increase class size and, and many other things. I really believe the teachers are at the advantage here, and that's why I'm I'm sure that the government wants them back at the desperately wants them back at the bargaining table. Well, who's going to blink? I think the government's going to. Because they, they have in so many other areas, and, and by the way, I agree with your point. I, I mean, I, I first of all, I think yeah, I think there is some public support. I think a lot of public support for the teachers because of some of the things they've talked about. Because this is not in the abstract. I mean, you know, since the school year began in September, uh, I've talked to families who get kids in high school and in elementary school, and they've seen the impact of some of this stuff. I mean, they've seen the fact that you know there are some courses that aren't available anymore, larger classes. Uh, I, I've talked to some people on the Hamilton board here. It said in some cases. I've got over 40 kids in class and only 30 desks. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous, but that's the way it's going. And, of course, there's that famous promise that Doug Ford made that not one person was going to lose their job. We already know that hundreds of teachers have already lost their job, and that number is only going to escalate. So there's, there's a lot going on here. But at the same token... Going into court right now, I think, is a frivolous idea. Uh, for the same reason, remember, the city of Toronto tried to take the government to court when they cut down the size of council. Yeah. And the judge ruled, sorry, they, that's, they, they're the government. They can do that. You may not like it, but they can do that. And that's going to go to the Supreme Court, as I recall now. Yeah. Uh, I know. It's, it, it's desperate. You know, you're trying to send a message, you know, we're not happy. And I understand them wanting to go to court. I, I think I, I'm I'm convinced they'll lose because we've seen it so many times in the past when people have taken governments on for laws they passed, and it, and it goes nowhere. The court says, "Well, they have every right to pass laws. That's what you elect them to do." Yeah, exactly. Vote them out if you don't like it, and that's not going to happen for a long time yet. But but, but the, the confrontation thing in this in this in this conflict between the government and the, is 
For one thing, Harvey Bischoff, the president of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation, is a very reasoned person. When he he's interviewed, he comes across as a guy that you know, just a, you know, guy that's trying to stand up for his, his his union, but understands understands and 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 is uh, understands what is you know, doing to parents. You know, he's a very reasonable face and voice, and I think that is another reason the teachers are in a, in a better position. He doesn't come across as a fire-breathing unionist. And as opposed to Lecce, I think, who's coming across as a, a bit of, um, how can I put it? Um, he's, he's going to the extreme and saying, well, they have no right. Well, hold on a second. The teachers have every right. They have the right to strike. I mean, that's, you know, that's... It's a constitutional right, and he comes across as just, you know, being a little too much. And I think that, again, is is hurting the government's position. You know, it's interesting you you mentioned that, because I've heard that from a couple of other people, too, especially in the last uh, week and a half or so. And and you remember when he took over this job? I mean, obviously, you know, the government was not pleased with the, the previous education minister, so Lecce goes in there. And he's supposed to be, you know, this the all-star. I mean, you know, he's a guy that worked for the Harper government for quite some time. He's got a great reputation among conservatives. The ones I've talked to think that this guy's a rising star. And he appeared at first, Badger, as kind of this conciliatory guy that says, okay, listen, we can work this out. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll pull back on this a little bit. But it seems that in the last week and a half or so uh, that he's fallen back into the, the, the government's talking points. And, and you know, it's going to be us versus them now as opposed to being conciliatory. And, and I, I don't know if he's getting instruction to do that or he's getting frustrated, whatever the case might be, but it's a different approach and it's not working. Well, I think, you, you know, I mean, uh, hyperbole has taken over reason here. And I think it, they're feeling, um, I think it is a bit of a desperate move by the government. I mean, they're trying to, you know, what's the old expression, that, you know, a, uh, you know, a good uh, defense is a, a better offense. And that's what they're coming out strong and hoping that they can convince the, the public that they're they're right, and these are just greedy teachers. Well, what he doesn't explain is that these uh, teachers, high school teachers, haven't received a cost of living increase in a very long time. I mean, not, you know, there's no tag date for uh, teachers, let's face it. But on the other hand, when, when other people are getting marginal increases to cover the cost of living, they're not. Those are some of the things that, that I guess, really gets under my skin when somebody doesn't tell the whole story. Uh, just like, like the gas, uh, gas tank or gas uh, pump sticker, where it doesn't tell the whole story about the rebate and that. If you're going to convince the public that you're right, and you hope you can, you have to explain in detail. What is going on? The teachers, you know, they're saying that they're going after money, and it's all about money that has nothing to do with the students. And and the teachers are saying, well, this is about the students. And that's where I think the teachers are winning, because it, it is about the students. It is about the, the huge class size, the, the programs that have been lost, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a, a battle of wills and a, a battle of efforts to try and get the uh, the public support. Right now, I think the teachers have got it. And you only have to walk down the street 
where teachers are picketing, and you see it, which is, you know, I think different from teacher strikes in the past, where people are peeping their horns, waving, and some, uh, some, some of the teachers, you know, or some of the uh, towns, the stores have brought them out food and, and you know, pastries and everything. I, I saw that. I saw this happen across the street here at Westdale High Secondary, well, right across the road from the radio station absolutely. last week. Now, when was the last time you saw that? Not very often at all, if you ever did see it. Uh, but your point's well taken. I mean, there's a, a bit of a double standard here. that uh, The government has not done a very good job of explaining why they've instituted these reforms. They have not done a good job of explaining why these are going to make for a better education system. Uh, and yet the experience that the teachers and the parents that I've talked to have said is, look, at we've seen the impact this is having, and we don't like it. Uh, you know, show me exactly where having to have uh, mandatory e-learning courses is, is going to be beneficial to students. Please explain to me why that's going to help. They don't have anything for it because it's not done. Uh, and, you know, what it is, it's eliminating teaching jobs. This really is like so many other projects that this government has undertaken, and it's really all about just reducing the bottom line. It's, it's, it might be cheaper, but that doesn't mean it's going to be better. And in the end, Bill, you have to ask yourself, is it good government? And I would say it isn't. When you're, when you're uh, you know, tearing apart, I won't say tearing apart, or reducing the quality of education in the province, uh, uh, education that we, we depend on for kids to come through the school system, get good educations, get good jobs, keep the country going. When you see those things that are being impacted, then you know you can say that, you know, that it isn't, or people can argue, at least, that it isn't good government. And, and I guess, you know, that's really the bottom line here. And and therein lies the problem. That, that, that We've just talked about the secondary school teachers. I mean, I, I understand they're all going to get involved in this lawsuit. But at some point, the the elementary school teachers are going to be in a strike position. The Catholic board teachers, rather, are going to be in a strike position. Uh, they're going to have to, be, they, meaning the government, is going to have to do something about this, or this is just going to get larger and larger. Oh, it's going to be. It. It. How can I put it? It. It, it will. It, it will be. And I hate this expression, but it will be a tsunami of education workers coming at the government. It, it, you think the impact? You know, one, a day here, a day there. Now, it impacts parents. I completely understand that. Having, you know, being a parent and having you know, young kids at one time. But the point is, that's just one day. For high school kids, what is it they all walk out? The system will be absolutely paralyzed, and everyone is going to hurt. You think that the people are going to be going to the head of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers or, or the elementary school pe- teachers and protesting out in front of their offices? Not a chance. They'll be going to every MPP's office and, and, and picketing and yelling and screaming because their kids aren't in school. That's what this government fears, is that it's going to blossom into a far greater battle than they have right now. One percent is, is what, what this bill calls for. Of course, this is one that uh, they're going to challenge, Bill 124. Uh, but this is the same government that gave, what was it, a 14 percent raise to parliamentary assistance just a couple of weeks ago? 
So, I mean, they, you know, it's, it's like, do what we say, not what we do. I mean, there seems to be a double standard here. And, yeah, and I, I, listen, know. if I was in that position, I'd be kind of questioning that, too, and say, wait a second, how come they got what, and you won't do it with us? Well, I would, I would you know, it, it, and this is what the teachers are, you know, are saying, well, hold on a second. You're starting negotiations with us, and before you even do that, you slap a 1% on all you know, civil servants. Now, how is that negotiating? Well, that's going anyway, to be that's going to be the crux of their argument when they do well, go to court. It will be. I, I don't think you know. Like I say, I don't think it's going to go anywhere, unfortunately. But for them, but it it, it is uh, it's it's not playing fair, I guess. And they'll make that argument, and it really is, you know, kind of sticking a, a sharp stick in the eye of the teachers. There's, and, you know, I guess they thought that would make a great deal of sense. But all I did or do, I think, it's exacerbated the situation. Well, I mean, there's uh, there's some tools in the kit that the the government can do here. They, they Like you say, they can sit down and negotiate. Maybe that's going to happen next week. Uh, they can obviously introduce back-to-work legislation, except that they, they, they're, they're finished this week, aren't they? Yeah, uh, tomorrow. Yeah, and they're not going back until the middle of February. So well, they can always call. Back. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. but but that's a, that's a tool. Uh, it's it's a pr- pretty controversial tool, and it's usually the sort of thing that rips the government apart uh, and the population apart when there's back to work legislation because they're obviously going to be some consternation on both sides when that happens. Uh, they could have binding arbitration, but I'm not so sure the government even wants to see that because I mean, an, an arbitrator might look at this and say, "Hey, one percent? Are you serious?" So who knows where they're going to go on this? I well, I, I don't see I don't see middle ground here. Tied. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is what it is. They they've hamstrung themselves, uh, the government in many ways by bringing out you know this one percent ceiling. When when you know if I think if they had made some changes, you know, uh, to the class sizes and reduced that class size and and and, and that kind of thing uh, and and just gave something to the teachers this that probably wouldn't be where it is but everybody is painted themselves in a corner that's the teachers and the government and there seems to be no middle ground yeah which which i the way i look at this it's the ball's in the teacher's court at this stage uh you know they they can go ahead with this court action but the government's going to have to bend on this as well and by the way, I know, you know, because we, we've, we've fallen into the same cliches as, as we heard at the other times when there were teachers' uh, conf- conflicts and, and with that government, back with the Harris government, that the teachers are greedy. Well, you know, from my understanding, uh, the, the, the salary increase they're looking for here is 2%, not 1%. So it's not as if they're saying, hey, you know, back up the Brinks truck here. But obviously they're going to look at the big number here. Uh, well, yeah, can I say something, Bill, here? I hear this so often. Well, the teachers are greedy. That union guy's greedy. This, you know, you know, what is wrong with making a decent salary? Like, when did it become wrong to make a decent salary and have benefits? Well, it's, you know, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm 70 years old. I can remember when you know unions used to go out for pennies, and and now we've got unions saying, "Hey, what we want is a decent salary." And there's and there's no reason a teacher or anybody else shouldn't be, make a decent salary. And it, I guess it really gets under my skin when I, when I hear that kind of thing from people. Again, when did it become bad to make a decent day's wage? Well, that's a question the government's going to have to answer. 
because they, 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 they've, they've allowed that to happen, and they've allowed those stereotypes to become part of the discussion here. And, uh, and I think it's really only making the bad situation even worse by doing that. I mean, you need to create some, some, some common ground here and some common respect, I think, and I don't see a whole lot of that happening right now. No, it's, uh, and, but if you're, if you're a parent, you're hoping this thing is resolved. Because so many parents are, you know, there's two working parents and they've got, you know, they've got babysitters and, and after school care and all of that stuff. They just want this solved. They don't care what the government says. They don't care what the teachers are saying. They just want it done, the deal done, period. And, and boy, both sides better take that to heart and get it done. Well, if they don't do something about it in the next couple of days, it's going to drag on into the new year, and, and you know, that's that's making a bad situation worse as well. So we'll just see uh, what they're going to do. They're supposed to get together next week, but there's only a couple of days left that, if, you know, for for that to happen. And uh, they better come ready to, to be flexible about this. If they're just going to say, well, here's our stand and here's your stand, uh, never the twain shall meet, then we're, we're, you know, we've got a deadlock here, and that's not going to help anybody. Uh, we're out of time. Uh, thanks so much for this, as always, Richard. Uh, and, again, if we don't talk, have a great Christmas. Yeah, you too, Will. Richard Brennan, right. of course, uh, who covered Queen's Park for many years and has seen a lot of these conflicts in the past. And it's not good. Not good for students. You're absolutely right. It's not good for teachers either. And it's not good for the public uh, to have these sorts of things hanging over our heads. So let's uh, just see what they can do when they finally do get back to the bargaining table next week. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML. I'm Bill Kelly. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure that you rate and review.